No one likes masks. In movies, the bad guy always wears a mask. The comic book character, the mask, uses his powers to create chaos. And in relationships, we're always encouraged to take off our masks and let the other person see who we really are. I'm James Dykstra. This is History.ICU. And today, we're looking at when masks became extremely unpopular in San Francisco. A hundred years ago, San Francisco was hit particularly hard by the Spanish flu. Though the flu seems to have been first recognized at a military base in Kansas in March of 1918, it's associated with Spain because wartime military censors limited the coverage of the disease in the press. In neutral Spain, there was no such censorship. With open coverage there, the disease was quickly connected with Spain. It's estimated that the disease infected as many as 500 million people, a third of the world's population, and killed as many as 50 million. By October 1918, the disease had reached San Francisco, possibly because a citizen visiting Chicago brought it west when he returned home. By midway through the month, there had been 20,000 cases of the flu and 1,000 deaths. San Francisco's Board of Supervisors shut down most of the services in the city, such as schools, churches, and stores. On October 25, a mandatory mask order was issued. In the final days of the war to end all wars, the wearing of masks was tied to patriotism. Only slackers refused to wear masks, the people were told. Though a lot of citizens got with the program, about 80%, their masks were often ineffective because the cloth was too porous and too loud for airflow through the mask. That's hard to picture since the masks were required to be four layers thick. Possibly worse than flawed masks was that a lot of people weren't wearing masks at all. And so, on October 27, 110 people were arrested for just this. On November 2, there were a further 175 arrests. Those arrested for disturbing the peace either faced a 5 to $10 fine or up to 30 days in jail if the person couldn't afford the fine. Reasons for not wearing masks varied, including resentment at having rights trampled on and the inconvenience of smoking with a mask. According to the Los Angeles Times, celebrities didn't want to wear masks for fear of not being recognized. In some cases, tempers ran high. Blacksmith John Weiser went maskless and tried to convince others to follow his lead. When Henry Miller, a health inspector, tried to reprimand him, Weiser is said to have knocked him to the ground. Miller, perhaps fearing for his life, pulled out a pistol and shot Weiser and two bystanders. Both Weiser and Miller were arrested. The number of flu cases was dramatically lowered. Services were allowed to reopen and the requirement to wear a mask ended on November 21 at noon. When the mask mandate expired and a whistle blew, many citizens ripped off their masks in unison and stomped them into the ground. In celebration, drinks were on the house and ice cream shops handed out treats. But sometimes it feels as if good things cannot last. And so the Spanish flu returned for a second round. In December, the number of flu cases spiked again, and city health officials urged citizens to wear masks in an effort to stop the threat of the flu. 
though there wasn't a complete buy-in by the public, it seems to have been enough to lower the infection rate. The citizens relaxed their vigilance, and on January 10, 610 new flu cases were diagnosed. This prompted a new official mask mandate on January 17. Voluntary compliance was simply not enough. An anti-mask league had been formed on December 17, claiming that mask wearing was not only a failure, but was actually unhealthy. Concerned citizens met on January 25 at the Dreamland Rink to unveil the Anti-Mask League. Emma Harrington was the chair, and as the first woman to vote in San Francisco in 1911, she became a well-known activist. The event at the ring brought in 4,500 people concerned about violations of their rights. The citizens were irritated at the restriction of their liberties, and some labeled it as unconstitutional. Exactly where in the Constitution the right to be mask-free is protected was never made clear. Levi Strauth, better known for their denim, temporarily got into the mask business, leaving some of the more suspicious to conclude that the true motive for imposing a mask mandate was not health, but profit. Overall, businesses did not support flu-related restrictions since it bit into their profit. Cigar merchants and barbers lost business, for obvious reasons, and other businesses suffered as people stayed home. And one unidentified Canadian health official doubted the effectiveness of masks. He claimed that around the world, when masks were required, it did nothing to stop the spread of the flu. He called for more isolation and what we'd label social distancing. Ultimately, what it probably came down to was the suspicion of the government. San Francisco had been having trouble raising enough money to put in sidewalks. They failed at a task that simple, and now citizens were supposed to trust them with their health? It's a problem we can easily relate to. For whether you live in a city with pothole roads, burdensome taxes, or dying businesses, there's plenty of things governments do wrong. And when the government grabs a new power, does it ever let it go? The doubters need only point to Canada's temporary income tax law, introduced in 1915 to help in the war effort. More than 100 years later, Canadians are still paying that temporary tax. However, Mayor James Rolfe was having none of the protesters' arguments. He declared he was unwilling to side against the 99.5% of the doctors who supported mask wearing. To rephrase it, he said he was following the science. The number of cases declined, and on February 1, the mask ordinance was lifted. By a coincidence, infighting at the Anti-Mask League saw Harrington expelled as chair the same day, essentially ending the organization. When all was said and done, about 45,000 people in San Francisco contracted the flu, and about 3,000 died from it. With about 500,000 citizens, this meant that the city had a death rate of about 670 for every 100,000 citizens. To give that some perspective, in a typical flu season, Canada has a death rate between 9 and 13 for every 100,000 citizens. This flu was really bad. Maybe the thing to learn 
is that whenever at least two people live somewhere vaguely in the same area, there are trade-offs between rights and responsibilities. And I'm glad I'm not the person who has to decide whether someone's rights or responsibilities take precedence. Sometimes that means that we have to put up with an infringement of our rights for the good of others. We have to give the other person the benefit of the doubt, even if their point of view seems crazy to us. It's annoying. It's irritating. But it works best if it's done with grace. If not, we risk becoming frac coxiniglia. You might consider him a hero or a fool, depending on your point of view. He was arrested in January of 1919 for not wearing a mask, since he was not disposed to do anything not in harmony with his feelings. When he was sentenced to five days, he replied, That suits me. I won't have to wear a mask there. <laughs>